So this morning we're continuing in our present series called Who Is This Man? And uh, it's, it's really a study of the life of Jesus and there's a lot to learn. And I encourage you, if you have not already done so, I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are four different authors that really lay out the life of Jesus. And you can find out uh, eyewitness account of who Jesus was, what he did, and, uh, and your faith will be greatly strengthened. And last week, Pastor Brandon talked about, about Jesus and his relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and Pastor Brandon mentioned that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It was a virgin birth. And the Bible says that the Spirit was, was how he was conceived. And then he talked about that Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and He came out of the wilderness full of the Spirit and the power of God. And then He talked about that Jesus, uh, after He came out of the wilderness, He was led by the Spirit, and how God wants to empower each one of us and wants us to be led by the Spirit. And then He talked about Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit. Amen? And we're going to just really celebrate that big time in, a, in just a few weeks. But He also wants to raise us up from the dead. Amen? Whenever we die, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. But I believe He wants to raise us up even now. He wants to give us resurrection life. And He wants to bring us up out of the grave or the darkness of whatever we're in. Amen? And then finally, He talked about Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit and he wants us to depend on the Holy Spirit. And the more we depend on the Holy Spirit, the better off we'll be in life. And the Bible says in John 16, 7, he said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus said, I didn't leave you helpless. I left you with a helper. Amen. And, uh, you know, um, you know, I know Pastor Brandon made reference to the GPS. The GPS is a modern technology that will help you get where you want to go. Right. And, you know, I, I think I, you might have heard me tell this story. But uh, last year when we went to Sugarland, uh, I have a GPS on my truck and I have a GPS on my phone. And I had two of them working at the same time. And one was telling me to take a left. And a voice was telling me to take a right. And I was greatly confused and didn't know where I was going. And Tanya wisely said, why don't you turn one of the things off and just follow like one, you know. And so, uh, but, you know, the Holy Spirit is like our GPS. And, you know, wouldn't it be terrible to have a GPS at your fingertips? You're in the middle of some big city, don't know where you're at, don't know where you're going, and you would just hide that GPS and, and never refer to it. And as believers, God has given us His Spirit to help us. And wouldn't it be a shame that we would try to live our Christian life without the helper of the Holy Spirit? Amen? So we need to depend on Him each and every day. Now, today we're going to shift focus a little bit, and we're going to talk about Jesus and his mission. How many of you know Jesus had a mission? And if you remember two weeks ago, when we talked about the early life of Jesus, we mentioned that at 12 years of age, Jesus was already living a very focused life. He wasn't wasting his life. He wasn't squandering his life. You know, Jesus lived a very mission-driven life. And the scripture tells us that 
One thing that we know for sure was is that Jesus was totally devoted to accomplishing the Father's will. He said, I didn't come to do my own thing. I came to do the will of the Father. And in Luke chapter 2, in that early stage of his life, the Bible says in verse 49, and he said to them, why do you seek me? Talking to his parents that had lost him for three days. He said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, at 12 years of age, Jesus was already focused on accomplishing the father's agenda, doing the father's business. And in John chapter 6, Jesus revealed his passion and his goal for life. And he said in verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, not to do my own agenda, but to do the will of him who sent me. So deep down in the, in the heart of Jesus, into the cells of Jesus, Jesus was mission driven and he knew where he was going. He knew what he wanted to do with his life. And I'm there's a great principle there that you and I need to be mission driven. Amen. Jesus had a very clear objective that he wanted to accomplish with his life. And so in, in, uh, he knew that he was sent to be a blessing to humanity. In John 10, 10, he said, listen, the thief has come to kill, to steal and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and you have it abundantly. Jesus knew why he was here and he wanted to be a blessing. He wanted to protect. He wanted to deliver. He wanted to set free humanity. Amen. He also knew that he was here to save the lost. The Bible says in Luke 19:10, for the son of man has come. And this is why I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Now, no doubt the main objective Jesus had was to evangelize the world. He knew that's why God put him here. And so he lived his life trying to accomplish that. Jesus was willing to even lay down his life to accomplish that will. He held nothing back. He didn't, he didn't hold anything back in the doing what God wanted him to do. Again, I think there's a good principle here that whenever we are willing to just give our all, to just do what pleases God, do what God wants us to do, we will live a more effective and powerful life than if we just squandering around with our life. Are y'all hearing me out there? In John 10 verse 14, it says this. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus was willing to die to accomplish his mission. He was willing to die. He was he's he was willing to give his very his very life to accomplish that which the father had for him to accomplish. I wonder how much are we willing to give? to accomplish the Father's will? Are we willing to lay down our life? But there was nothing haphazard about Jesus's life. He just didn't. He, he wasted no energy. He wasted no, he had no idle words. He was on business for God. And that's why he said in Luke 2, 49, he said, listen, I must be about my Father's business. And as you, as you read the life of Jesus, you start in the beginning of the Gospels, and you see his birth, 
and you see him being born and you track his life as you go through the Gospels. He was very intentional. He was very articulate about everything he did. He didn't waste a day. He didn't waste a, he didn't waste a moment. He capitalized on everything the Father gave him to accomplish the Father's will. Now listen, we know that he was a mission-driven person. And I think as Christians, God has called us to be mission-driven. I think he's not, he didn't call us to give us life insurance. Like, come and follow me and you don't have to go to hell. Well, that's a good reason to follow him right there, right? But he says, listen, I've called you not, not so you could just escape eternal damnation. I've called you with purpose. I've called you with a reason. I've called you to do something for me. Amen. And so listen, you could be in church for 50 years and never tap into your purpose, never tap into your agenda. But how many of you know that that's, that's the highest level of living? Amen. That's the highest level of living, of making a decision that, Lord, I want to glorify you with my life. I want to bring glory to your name with your, with my life. Whatever it takes, Lord, even if it means me dying, I'm willing to die so I can bring glory and honor to you. Now, another thing we know about Jesus, his mission was the father's, but his method was men. Whenever he decided how he was going to fulfill the mission of winning the world, he decided he was going to do it through men. His method was men. And you can see the clear, this clearly unfold as you study the ministry life of Jesus. As you get past his early years and you start looking at his ministry life, just as soon as he starts his ministry, Jesus immediately began recruiting others to help him accomplish his objective. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 16, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they had fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, in this few passages or verses of Scripture in this passage, we can see that in one day, Jesus recruited four key players to help him fulfill his mission. You know, just recently, they had the NFL draft. And, and they do a lot of work and they just scout these college players and they find out how high they can jump and how quick they can run and how good they are at catching the ball. And they scout them out and they have this combine and they, they get them to come do all these, these athletic uh, exercises to see. And then they choose just the best players and they get a dream team. They get a, they get a, 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 a winner on their team so they can accomplish their mission. And the Bible says Jesus prayed all night and he prayed carefully. And he said, Lord, how am I going to accomplish this mission? And he picked four that day in Mark chapter one and verse 17. The Bible says that Jesus called out to them, come and follow me. And I will show you how to fish for people. Do you see his mission there in this verse? Jesus was clear in his purpose. And immediately when he called them into the kingdom of God, he said, now listen, this is why I'm calling you. 
I want you to help me accomplish the mission of reaching the world. I will teach you how. You've been fishing for sakale, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for souls. Amen. I'm going to teach you how to reach souls. And so his mission was the fathers, but men were his method. And then we could see Jesus was very intentional about preparing them for the mission. He didn't just call them and leave them alone, but he was intentional. He took the time to teach them about reaching the laws. And the Bible says, he said, I will show you. He said, I don't worry about how to do it. I will show you. And there's a, there's a great truth there. There's a great principle there. Jesus will show us how to reach the laws. Jesus will show us how to build his kingdom. All we have to do is be willing and he will show us how. How many of you want to learn how to be an effective soul winner in the kingdom of God? He said, I'm going to show you, but he took the time to teach them kingdom principles. And he said, listen, this is how you can effectively be a kingdom builder. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, in verse 1, it says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and he began teaching them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. See, Jesus took the time to teach them these kingdom principles and says, listen, if you will have the right attitude and if you will take on this attitude and be poor in spirit and, and mourn and, and be meek and hunger and thirst, he said, if you will put on these principles into your life, there's no doubt that you're going to be effective in the mission that God has called us. Amen. And listen, I believe just right there in the Sermon on Mount, just looking at the principles he taught right there in this sermon, we can learn so much about being effective with our life. But Jesus didn't stop there. He modeled his character. He modeled his compassion. He modeled his concern for the people. And the scripture says in Matthew 15, 32, then Jesus called his disciples and he told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. You know, right there in that passage, you get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus. See, Jesus was concerned about people's needs. And he said, you know, I know that they've been here with me three days and I've been watching them. They, are, they haven't they have gone to supper. They haven't gone to breakfast. I know that they are hungry. And so what he was doing, it was he was teaching them about character. He was teaching them about his character. How many of you know things are more caught than taught? Amen. And we learn more from watching people's example than what they say. And so they're watching, they're, they're seeing Jesus model compassion. And he's modeling concern for the people that he's with. And he's saying, hey guys, we need to be concerned about their needs. And then he demanded total surrender and sacrifice from his, his disciples. And, and he told them in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. 
See, one of the, one of the, the, the hurdles to being a kingdom builder is our own selfishness. And Jesus says here in this verse, if you want to be a follower of mine, if you want to be a kingdom builder, you must turn from your selfish ways and you got to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. And he said, listen, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. There's a principle right here. If you give it up, you're going to gain it. That's not a principle that works in the world. The world won't teach you this principle. It is a kingdom principle. Amen. If you lose it, you gain it. Now, how many of you believe that Jesus was successful in his mission? And how many of you believe that he's still today trying to recruit workers, disciples, kingdom builders? Right now, as I'm talking to you, Jesus is working across the world and he's trying to raise up more kingdom builders and disciples for the purpose of fulfilling the Father's mission of winning the whole world with the love of the Father. Amen? I think he is. And I think he's working right here in Lafayette. And so now listen, if men... Is his method, then multiplication has to be his solution. If men is his method, then multiplication has to be the solution. Now, Jesus said it like this. In Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35, he said this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. What is he doing? He's, he's doing the mission. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had, what's the Bible say there? He had, what? Compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. So you get the picture. He's going from city to city, ministering to people. And then when he gets to, when, when he gets to, to a certain place, he looks at the crowd and he says, look at all these people. But he doesn't just see the crowd. He looks... He sees beyond what appears in the natural, what they're wearing and how their hair looks. And he looks right down into their soul. And he's moved with compassion because he can sense something. That they're dispirited. They're distressed. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says in verse 37, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now, Jesus realized if the mission was to be accomplished, if the mission of evangelizing the world was to be accomplished, there would be a need for multiplication of workers. See, that's why Jesus just doesn't call us to give us life insurance so that when we die, we don't burn, but we get to spend eternity on the streets of gold in a 24-7 worship service where the presence of God is so strong, we can't hardly stand it. Amen? He called us to be part of his mission. And so his most pressing prayer request was for more workers into the harvest field. And this is what he said in verse 38. He said to the disciples, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him 
to send more workers into his fields. This was his prayer request. You know, we say the Lord's Prayer was, you know, our Father which art in heaven. We call that the Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord's Prayer right here. He said, would you pray that the, the Lord of the harvest would send out more workers? Jesus is looking for more workers, more soul winners in his church. And the question is, how many of you would like to be the answer to his prayer? How many of you would like to be the solution to his prayer? Amen. How many of you scared to answer right now? See, Jesus' desire for the whole church was to be so winning workers in his kingdom. And so I think sometimes even as church leaders, we don't emphasize this part of the gospel. We say, be saved, come into the kingdom. But that's not, that's only the first part. Be saved, come into the kingdom, learn the principles of the kingdom, and go win the world for Christ. Amen? And so Jesus, his desire in Matthew 28, 18, he said to the disciples just before he was about to depart, Jesus came to them and said, listen, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus promises, listen, this is why I called you to be a soul winner, to go fishing for souls. But listen, I want you to go and I want you to preach the gospel and I want you to make disciples. But listen, I'm going to equip you. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to be with you as you go. Amen. He says, listen, all authority has been given to me. I'm going to give you my authority if you're willing to go. And listen, I'm going to be with you always. As long as you're out there trying to accomplish my mission and my vision, I'm going to be with right there alongside of you to help you accomplish that. Amen. Now, listen, if Jesus is for you, how many of you know you can't fail? You can't fail if he's on your side. So, so he says, I'm going to help you do this thing. Now, as we, as we finish up this morning, I want to just tell you about or give you four keys to becoming a, an effective worker in God's kingdom. How do you become, how do you move out of just being saved and just being a Christian and you become a kingdom builder? How do you do that? See, even in Jesus's day, now here is Jesus. I mean, nobody had a greater anointing on ministry than Jesus, right? And here he is, he's ministering to the crowds, but he still sees there's a lack of people. So ever since the beginning of the church, there's always been more harvest than people. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you believe there's a lot of people that need to be saved in Lafayette and Acadiana? Now, let me ask the question again. How many of you believe there's a lot of people that need to be saved in Lafayette and Acadiana? Amen. Listen, everybody that is alive needs to be saved. You're not born a Christian. You're born lost with a sinful nature, and everybody needs to be saved. Amen? And so there's a lot of work to do. The harvest fields are plentiful. Jesus said, look out into the harvest. It's ripe for harvest. And so he wants us to get involved. So here's some keys to become a builder, a worker. Soul winner in God's kingdom. First of all, we need to be confident. See, I'm convinced there's a lot of people that say, well, that's for you, Todd. That's for, that's for people that are working the church. No. The Bible says that God has given all of us the ministry 
of reconciliation. He's given all of us the ministry of helping people get to know God. In fact, he, he doesn't use the, the leadership, the pastors, evangelists, pastors, and teachers as much as he uses the lay people that are in the marketplace building relationships with people. Problem is, we need to be confident. We need to be confident. And I think one of the reasons why we're not confident is because we're looking inward instead of outward. We're looking at ourselves and say, but I don't know how to talk real good. Or I don't know chapters and verse real good. And we look at our ability like Moses. We say, Lord, I, I don't speak good. Or, I, 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 they, what if they don't listen to me? And we're looking inward and God's saying, no, no, no. Look outward. Look at what, look at what I've given you to accomplish the task. Look at my resources. And 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And He chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world Things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. See, if our effectiveness in building the kingdom was how good we were, we would, we would give no glory to God. We would totally choke trying to receive all the glory. Look what I did. Look how many I've reached. And we would just want to do it all. But God said, no, you can't do it. You, your, your best effort, you can't do it. And that's the people I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that don't have a lot of arrogance and self-confident in themselves. I'm looking for people that think they need God's help and want to depend on the Spirit of God. That's who I'm looking for. Now, let me ask you, how many of you feel like you might qualify right there? Amen. That's who God uses. He doesn't use the, the you know, listen, you know, God is not looking for winners to use in His kingdom. No. God is looking for those who are willing to use in His kingdom. He's not looking for winners. He's looking for those that are willing. That's all He needs is a willing vessel. And if He can find a willing vessel, He'll use you. And so the first step is you, you got to be confident. You got to be confident that God can use you. Listen, you know, sheep don't stand out in a field saying, I hope I can have a lamb. I hope I can have a lamb. They... They just have lambs. Why? That's how God created them. God created them to reproduce. Amen? God created humans to reproduce humans. Right? Right? Are y'all tracking with me? God created Christians to reproduce? Yes, you got it. Amen. We were born to reproduce. We were born again to reproduce. Amen? Now, the second key is this. First, you got to be confident, but second, be prayerful. Be prayerful. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. 
who is the exact likeness of God. So what does the Bible say? The God of this world is blind in the minds of the unbelieving. And so sometimes we take it personal. If we try to reach out to somebody and they don't respond, we take it as rejection, personal rejection. But he, listen, he says, listen, not everybody's going to respond. Not everybody's going to be real anxious about receiving the message because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And so you say, well, don't you see you need Jesus? In actuality, they don't see that they need Jesus because they've been blinded in their understanding. And you see, if we understood the value of walking and living for God, then everybody would be in. The problem is there's a God in this world that has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they don't receive the glorious gospel. So what do we do? We pray. We pray and ask God to deliver them from the stronghold of the darkness of the evil one. Amen. And, and the Bible says in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. So listen, you know, I, I, I refer to this, but it's a great example. My father-in-law and mother-in-law. For 30 years, they had a son that was lost like a goose in high weeds and didn't, wasn't interested in the gospel. And they reached out, they tried to, they tried to preach to him and he wouldn't receive it several times and he wouldn't receive it. But they never stopped praying for him. They never stopped praying for him. And one day, one day, the light went off and he saw the glorious gospel and he received it. Amen. He got delivered from alcoholism and he's been serving God ever since. Now I say that story to say, man, listen, the person that you work with that think that he, he's got a legion of demons in him, Jesus wants to save him. Amen. And well, the person that you think will be the least likely to open up to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the one that Jesus is about to save. Amen. So we need to have faith and we need to pray and we need to pray for our loved ones. We need to pray for our family. We need to pray for our coworkers. And we just ask, need to ask the Lord to break the God of this world strongholds off of them and release his marvelous light into them. Amen. So we got to be prayerful. It's a key to winning souls. You see, I, you know, you know, for a lot of Sundays, people come up here and make a decision for Christ. But you see, for a lot of Sundays, there's people upstairs praying that the God of this world would be bound up. There's a lot of people praying. Listen, when we get to heaven, you know, I'm going to say, hey, Lord, you know, there was a lot of people saved at Family Life. And he's going to say, excuse me, where's those people that were praying during the service? I'm looking for them. Hey, good job. You won souls for the kingdom of God. But, Lord, I preach. I just used your mouth. That's about it. These people, they did warfare. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? That's how we do it, saints. Amen. We got to do war. We got to do war. The third key is be practical. Be practical. In, in Matthew 9, 36, it said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. Jesus showed compassion for them. 
And, you know, practical means show compassion. Be kind. You know, Jesus said, you know, this is how people are going to know that you're one of mine, is that you, your love for one another. Well, if outsiders see something different about us loving one another, then I think if we love people that are not saved, that we can love never fails. Amen? And so listen, sometimes the only Bible people are going to read is my life and your life. And so we got to go live out the gospel, amen? And, and we can't be a know-it-all, and we can't be high and mighty. we got to just be a compassionate, concerned person that is interested in, the, in suffering humanity, amen? And so we need to be practical about winning souls. And then finally, you know, we need to be creative and intentional. Creative and intentional. Now, you know, there's a great story in, Math, in Mark chapter 2. Remember when, when, the, when those guys brought their friend to Jesus? You know, this is, a, this is a great story. It says in Mark 2, 1 and 5, it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there. Uh, so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Okay, so now Jesus is in somebody's house and he's preaching. People heard about Jesus being there. They came out to the meeting. There were so many people there. There was, there was not even standing room. There was no room to put another soul in the house. And so there were people even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse 3. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... They made an opening in the roof above Jesus after dragging, after digging through it, lowered the mat that paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, we just read that quick little story. But imagine Jesus preaching. And people are, they're, they're holding on to every word. And, and you know, and, and everything's quiet. And then all they hear, <laughs> What's that? And all of a sudden, a little light comes through. What's going on up there? And here's those four guys pulling off the shakes off the roof. Hey, 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 man, Jesus is down here preaching. Man, y'all behave. We know Jesus is down there. Y'all just going to have to make a little room right here. Hey, Jesus, this guy needs you more than anybody else. And they lured him down to Jesus, and Jesus was moved by it. And he said, hey, your sins are forgiven. Be healed. Then he said, because of your faith, y'all faith. See, that paralytic guy didn't have the ability to get to Jesus on his own. But he had some friends that were creative, that were discerning. The Bible says if he who wins souls is wise. See, listen, we got to start seeing eternity in the eyes of every person we see. Because every person we see one day is going to die. And whenever they die, their eternity is going to be set. We need to be busy about the Father's business doing anything and everything that we can to get our friends to Jesus. Amen? Because we might be the one that'll be the catalyst 
to them coming to Jesus. Wouldn't you say that these guys were both creative and intentional about winning their friends to Christ? Wouldn't you say that? I mean, that's, that's creative right there. Take the roof off the place. You know, one of the guy that owned the house after it was over said, hey, y'all going to fix my roof? <laughs> you bunch of Christians, are y'all going to fix my roof? That's what I want to know. But listen, you need, we need to utilize our relational influence to win souls. And that's very practical. But you know, in John chapter 1, listen, follow this story. In John chapter 1 and verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Now look at that verse. Why did Simon get saved? Because John told him about Jesus. John is the one that bragged on Jesus. Okay? Verse 41. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now I want you to see the relationship. John reached Andrew, and Andrew reached his brother Peter. Y'all remember that guy? Now listen. Friendship evangelism is the most powerful evangelism. Why? Because you have relational investment. There's a trust level. Whenever you somebody that you know tells you something, you're more likely to believe that than somebody that you don't know. Right? And so, you know, they do they 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 keep track of people that come to Christ and say, why and how does people come to Christ? The vast majority of people that come to Christ, it's because a family member or a friend invited them to church or told them about Jesus, told them about salvation, and they came in. You know, what's surprising is that the lower amount is clergy. See, listen. Clergy have so much impact and so much relational influence. But you and I that live in the marketplace, we have influence wherever we go. And we need to capitalize on that. Amen? And that's what Andrew did. He utilized his influence to reach out to his brother Simon. And he brought him to Jesus. Amen? Are you tracking with that? Relational evangelism. Brother Francis used to teach us all the time. Don't tell people you're a Christian. Let them figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, you got a problem. I'm quoting Brother Francis. I think it's pretty close, wouldn't y'all say? But, you know, isn't that a good point? And so the Bible says, listen, you know, we are the church. Not this building. We, you and I. We bring church with us wherever we go. Right? The Bible says that we are the message. We are the message people read. Before they ever read this, they're going to read us. Amen? And we are the preacher. We are the preacher. We're preaching the gospel with our life each and every day. 
we got to preach a good gospel. Amen? So now listen, Jesus was mission focused. What about you and I? Come on, how many of you feel like you need to just kind of focus in a little bit? Let's get back on business. And what I believe is that, listen, Jesus said, I will help you be a soul winner. And he will help us if we're just willing. He's not looking for winners. He's looking for willingness. And if we're just willing and we just open up our spiritual eyes and use discernment and wisdom and say, Lord, how can I reach somebody? How can I build the kingdom of God? I believe the Lord is going to give us wisdom. Amen. I believe the Lord. I believe if we just start praying, Lord, I want to be used of you. Would you show me how? And I believe the Lord is going to start showing us how. Amen. Now, you know, in fishing, you know, uh, there is uh, tide charts. And they, uh, real good fishermen, watch the tide charts. Because the tide charts determine the uh, peak eating times of fish. The feeding times. And so they watch the charts because if the, if the tide is flat, they don't even go. Because fish have locked jaw. You can put the bait right on their nose and they'll just turn their nose up at it. But when the tides are right, I mean, you could throw anything in the front of them. It can look like bait and it not be bait and they'll chomp on it. And you got you a fish. They're prime times for soul winning. And one of the prime times for soul winning is Christmas and Easter. People will go to church for those two holidays and no other time. They call them Point Silly, Point Setter, and and Lily Club, you know. But, you know, they say, you know, it's Christmas time. We're celebrating Jesus' birth. Let's Come on, honey, let's go to church. And so they come in church and they praise God, I'm in church. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. Christmas is over. They done. Easter comes around. We're celebrating the resurrection. Well, you know, it's everybody's excited about church. Honey, you ready to go back? Let's go back to church. And we go to Easter. Are y'all with me out there? Come on, how many of you were some of those whenever you were like, yeah, you know, funerals, weddings, Easter, Christmas. Right? Yeah, at least, you know, those occasions I would make my way to church, right? We're getting, we're coming up on Easter. What if we what if we leveraged our relational influence and we invited somebody to church on Easter Sunday? But Todd, what if they say no? Well, gee, that's not quite as bad as getting crucified on a cross. Right? And by the way, haven't you heard no before? <laughs> right? But don't take it personally. Why? Because the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. But you see, I believe that right now in Acadiana, there are people that are hungry for the Lord. They're looking for answers. And, and you know, they say that most people will go to church if they were invited. But some people will never darken the doors of this church. They don't know anybody here. And they don't know if we got snakes up in there. They don't know if we got chandeliers up in there that we hang off of. They don't know what's going on in there. But if they have a friend who they respect and they know invites them, they might ask them, hey, y'all got any snakes in there? Right? No, no, no snakes. You know, some other stuff, but no snakes, you know. But are, are you tracking with me? 
they're more than likely to, to receive that information and take up that inv invitation. We're two weeks from Easter. I just want to encourage you to pray about it, think about it. What's our mission here as a church? What's our goal here as a church? To, to have some kumbaya parties? To have some potluck? Lunches and dinners? Until Jesus comes back? Or is it to be on mission? To be intentional about winning the world for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Now listen, you know, those of you, how many of you do Facebook? How many of you have liked us on Facebook already? Who, who didn't like us? Let me see. No, no. Well, listen, social media is a soul-winning machine these days because it's influence. I mean, listen, they use Facebook for every other thing. Why don't we use it to build the kingdom of God? Amen. Let's redeem Facebook. Amen. But I just want to encourage you, like us on Facebook. And we, we have, we post stuff up there like pictures and graphics of the Easter service and just, you know, save it on your device. Share it with your friends. And all your friends are like, Oh, I didn't know they were you. Some of your friends might find out you're a Christian by just inviting them to the Easter service. Come on, are y'all with me? I'm not being facetious. I'm just being real. You know, but just do that. And listen, if that's not your deal, we got hard copies. An invitation, amen? And you know, as I was just thinking about this, I just think, man, wouldn't it be great for this Easter Sunday to be the Sunday that many lost people come to Christ? Wouldn't it be great? You know, I found this out. That it's a, we can do a lot more for the kingdom of God working together than all by ourselves. Amen. And, and listen, the worship team is, is already working. They're going to have some, some great music for us. We're going to celebrate the victory of Jesus' resurrection and we're going to just teach him about the good news of the gospel. Amen. But meanwhile, how about we just go into the highways and the byways and be on mission for Jesus? Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? Why don't you just close your eyes for just a moment and just think about it. Just think about how you got where you are spiritually. Some of you, the reason why you're Christian is because you were raised in a Christian home. And you had a Christian witness right there in your living room. And it impacted your life, opened up your heart to Jesus. And that's why you're saved. For others in this room, the reason why we're Christian it's because somebody we knew and respected was living the Christian life. And because of their influence, it opened up our heart to the gospel. And we, we got saved because of their influence. And that is continuing today. And I believe that God wants to use you to make a difference in our community. Can we just ask him right now to just give us the grace? He said, I will make you fishers of men. I will teach you how. Can we just open up our heart right now? And let's just ask him, Lord, we pray. God, come today and touch each and every one of us that are here today. Father, I pray that, God, you would just, Lord, you just begin stirring in us, Lord. Lord, just show us some people. Show us some people that, that Lord, that, that need Jesus. That, Lord, that, that need to, to, to be 
uh, in the kingdom of God. And help us, Lord, to begin to, to reach out and to show compassion and to build relationship and to, and, to, and to make a difference in their life. Lord, we're believing for souls to be saved. We're believing that, Lord, you're calling us and, and, and equipping us to be workers in the kingdom of God. Lord, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, we want to be one of the workers that are building in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, that you're releasing grace right now over this place in Jesus' name. Now, if you hear here today and you said Todd I don't even know if I'm a Christian I don't know that that I'm a believer yet and so I, I need to I need to make sure that I need to surrender to the Lord I need to give my life to Christ would you pray for me if that's you would you just lift your hand and I want to pray a special prayer for you just raise your hand and and lift it up real high so I can see it because I want to pray for you I see your hand anybody else I want to pray for you come on just pray let's pray this prayer today let's all let's prayed corporately. Father God, thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood so that I could be saved. I know I'm a sinner, but I know you forgive and I need your forgiveness. Lord, would you forgive me today? Would you cleanse me today? I surrender to you. I want to be one of your children. I want to live the Christian life. Thank you, Father, for accepting me in your family. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we're going to have some altar workers up here. If you need prayer for anything else, I just encourage you to come down. Let us agree with you. Let us pray with you. Amen. And, uh, and we're just going to believe God to just meet you right where you are this morning. Let me pray a blessing. Father, I pray the blessing of the Lord over this congregation. Lord, may your blessing, may your smile be on them. May your favor be on them. Lord, may you clothe them with peace, Lord. And God, may you just grant them, Lord, abundant life today. Lord, may their hearts be filled with your presence. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed said amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a wonderful day.